You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's version of Healthcare Insight. You're on America's Web Radio, and my name is Ron Bachman, your host today. After the election, there's so much to talk about. Most of it is not about health care, unfortunately, because we don't know what's going to happen with health care until the January 5th runoff in Georgia. If that election goes one way or another, we're going to see significant differences in the direction we go with health care. So in many ways, we're going to have to wait and see what happens on January 5th before we can comment about what the future of health care in the United States is likely to be. And for those of you who just completely turn off politics and don't understand what's going on, at present, the Republicans have 50 seats in the U.S. Senate. And the Democrats have 48. But there are two seats that are up for election on January 5th, both of which happen to be in the state of Georgia. Now, if those two seats, those Senate seats, go Democrat, it'll be a 50-50 tie in the Senate. But since Joe Biden is likely to be president, the tiebreaker is the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. So whatever the Democrats want, they can get. They can change the rules of the Senate, the filibuster rule as an example, and get rid of it, which requires 60 votes in order to pass any real legislation. So... As far as health care reform, whether we go to a single-payer system, Medicare for all, or expansion of Obamacare, we're just going to have to wait. Now, we know that there's also going to be a lot of changes after a new administration gets in relative to regulations. Whoever the new HHS, the Health and Human Services Secretary is, that person will have enormous power under the current Obamacare law. It gives enormous amount of flexibility on regulatory interpretations, the granting of waivers by states on whether to do something with Medicaid, whether to give waivers under what's called a 1332 waiver, which allows states that have more responsibility if they, they, they can do something that is similar to Obamacare. But under the Trump administration, there was a lot more flexibility about what that meant, similar to Obamacare. In the Obama administration, those waivers were not granted very easily, if at all, because basically they just required a duplication of Obamacare for whatever kind of changes an individual state wanted to implement. So we're not likely to see a lot of health care stuff. But what I would like to do today is talk about the election. It was truly a historic election. Nothing that happened that election made a lot of sense to most people, especially those who were Trump fans, because there was no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. He stayed in his basement, didn't accept many questions from the press, wouldn't tell us what some of his policies were, whether he was going to try to pack the court or what judges he would um, nominate. He wouldn't tell us very much about what his administration was going to do. 
Well, I came across a great article that I want to really focus some of today's attention on. And it's an article by an individual named J.B. Shruck. And it's entitled The Five Ways Joe Biden Magically Outperformed Election Norms. And I don't know how much truth there is to this. I'm not into conspiracy theories or strange things that might happen just that uh, because they're uncommon or haven't happened before that there's anything illegal or untoward. But it certainly raises a lot of interesting questions that those of you listening to this podcast might want to think about in terms of why there continues to be uh, legal challenges and why the President of the United States has not conceded the race to Joe Biden. And it's also curious as to why journalists aren't looking into some of these items and issues that seem to be really out of the norm and way out of what anybody would have ever expected out of this election. So in all the excitement among objective journalists for Joe Biden's declared victory, reporters are missing how extraordinary the Democratic's performance was in the 2020 election. It's not just the former vice president is on track to becoming the oldest in American history. It's what he managed to accomplish at the polls this year. Candidate Joe Biden was so effective in animating voters in 2020 that he received a record number of votes, more than 15 million, more than Barack Obama received in his re-election in 2012. Isn't that amazing? he received 15 million more votes, most of which were out of California and New York, at least many of them were, but many of them out of those key states, those key states that President Trump won. That blue wall that turned red in 2016, all of a sudden millions of votes turned up in those states from minority populations that didn't even turn out to vote for Barack Obama. So amazingly, Joe Biden managed to secure victory while also losing in almost every bellwether county across the country. No presidential candidate has been capable of such electoral jiu-jitsu until now. While Biden even underperformed Hillary Clinton's 2016 totals in every urban county in the United States. He outperformed her in the metropolitan areas in Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Amazingly enough, those were the key states needed to get the Electoral College. And he outperformed Hillary in those metropolitan cities. Even more surprising, the former VP put up a record number of votes despite Democrats' general failures in local House and state Senate seats across the country. Now remember, the Democrats on the polling were supposed to win 10 to 15 House seats and win many of the Senate seats that they didn't win. In fact, the Republicans in the House look like they're going to gain roughly 12 seats. They needed 17 to take over, so the Democrats are going to hold a very slim margin. If Republicans had only picked up five more seats in the House, the Republicans would be in control of the House, and Nancy Pelosi would not be the next speaker. So the prospects of the Republicans winning the House 
2022 look pretty darn good, especially if they continue to recruit good candidates. Female candidates were very good in the Republican primaries this year, and hopefully they'll add more good females into the Republican Party as the Republican Party has become the party of the Big Ten. Well, Joe Biden accomplished all this after receiving a record low share of the primary votes compared to Republican opponent heading into a general election. Clearly, these are tremendous and unexpected achievements that would normally receive sophisticated analysis from the journalist class, but somehow have gone mostly unmentioned during the celebrations at news studios in New York City and Washington, D.C. Remember, a lot of times the primary vote, those are people who are going to turn out in the general election. And it was a highly contested Democratic election. But yet Donald Trump, with no opposition, had more votes typically in states where there were primary votes. Now, remember, primary votes were sort of put aside because of COVID. But when we did have primary elections, Trump defeated in terms of the total number of Republicans turning out versus the total number of Democrats turning out. The massive national political alignment now taking place may be one source of these surprising upsets. Yet still, to have pulled so many rabbits out of his hat like this, nobody can deny that Biden must really be a first-rate campaigner and politician. I guess that's the way we do it going forward. Just stay in the basement of your home, in the bunker, don't answer questions. That creates a new class of first-rate campaigner and politician, a new standard, the likes of which America has never seen before. And I likely guess we'll never see again. So let's break down just how unusual and unique this political voodoo has been in 2020. First, let's take a look at the 80 million votes that Obama got. A lot of Americans turned out for a Washington politician who's been in office for nearly 50 years. So consider this. No incumbent president in nearly a century and a half has gained votes in a re-election campaign and still lost. But President Trump gained more than 10 million votes since his 2016 victory. But Biden's appeal was so substantial that it overcame President Trump's record support among minority voters. Biden also shattered Barack Obama's own popular vote totals, really calling into question whether it was not perhaps Biden who pulled Obama across the finish lines in 2008 and 2012. Yeah, right. We'd really believe that, wouldn't we? Proving how sharp his political instincts are, the former vice president even managed to gather a record number of votes while consistently trailing President Trump in measures of voter enthusiasm. And Biden was so savvy that he motivated voters unenthusiastic about his campaign to vote for him in record numbers. Wow. How did that happen? 80 million votes, more than Obama, more than President Trump, who added to his totals in 2016. Who would have thought it? No polling showed that there was enthusiasm for Biden. No media really showed enthusiasm for Biden. All they showed was hatred for Donald Trump. 
But yet Donald Trump gained more than 10 million votes from 2016. So he resonated with a lot of people. And did Biden create that kind of enthusiasm? When you saw the political gatherings of Trump with 10, 20, even 40,000 people showing up for him, cheering, we love you, we love you, four more years. Well, of course, we know that that's sort of a traditional cheer for a president of second term, four more years. But I don't know we've ever heard we love you chanted like they did for Donald Trump. And what about this great, wonderful new political structure that Joe Biden's put together? What enthusiasm do he have? A parking lot of 50 to 100 cars beeping their horns? Where did these votes really come from? How did he generate 80 million votes? And how did we get 150 million votes or more totally voted in this 2020 election? Something strange was going on. Well, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to delve into this magical election for this magical new president that everybody is so enthusiastic about. We'll come back in just a minute after this commercial word. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. Since healthcare is kind of on hold, as we mentioned in the previous session, until the Georgia election to know which direction we're going and maybe what the Republicans ought to be thinking about as a backup. Let's talk about the miracle of the Joe Biden election. It was absolutely remarkable what he was able to do to get 80 million votes when everything showed there was an unenthusiastic interest in his campaign. So let's talk about the second area that was really remarkable about this election. Let's talk about his winning despite losing most bellwether counties. You know, pollsters look at bellwether counties and Most times if somebody wins those counties, they're kind of representative of the rest of the country and it gives you a good indication as to whether somebody's going to win or lose the overall election. Well, Biden is set to become the very first president in 60 years to lose the states of Ohio and Florida on his way to an election. For a century, these states have consistently predicted the national outcome, and they have been considered roughly representative of the American melting pot as a whole. Despite national polling giving Biden a lead in both states, he lost Ohio by eight points and Florida by more than three. Yet polling before the election showed that Biden was going to win by a substantial majority in Florida and a close race in Ohio. For Biden to lose these key bellwethers by a notable margin and still win the national election is truly newsworthy. Why wouldn't reporters be talking about this unique circumstance? Because not since the mafia alleged aided John F. Kennedy in winning Illinois over Richard Nixon in 1960 as an American president pulled off this neat trick. For those of you not old enough to remember, Chicago has been and always is a corrupt city politically. And in 1960, Mayor Richard Daley 
is alleged with a lot of proof that he packed the votes in Chicago so that John Kennedy would beat Richard Nixon by a few thousand votes. So we know there's a history of Democrats stacking these major metropolitan cities. They've done it over and over again. Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey for a while, has said before that Republicans have to win by at least three percentage points in order to offset the corruption of Democrats. That certainly happened in 1960, and it looks like that probably happened this year in 2020. So not only did Biden lose both Ohio and Florida, but even more unbelievably, Biden is on the way to winning the White House after having lost almost every historic bellwether county across the country. The Wall Street Journal and the Epic Times independently analyzed the results of 19 counties around the United States that have nearly perfect presidential voting records over the last 40 years. President Trump won every single Bellwether County, except Collum County in Washington State, whereas former Vice President picked up Collum by three percentage points, President Trump's margin of victory in the other 18 county averaged over 16 points. In a larger list of 58 Bellwether counties that have correctly picked the president since 2000, President Trump won 51 of the 48, and he won them by an average of 15 points, while the other seven went to Biden by around four points. Bellwether counties overwhelmingly chose President Trump, but Biden found the path to victory anyway. Isn't that truly amazing? Let's continue on this amazing path to Joe Biden's 2020 victory. How did it happen? Well, here's the third of five items that were truly magical, truly remarkable. Biden trailed Clinton, except in a select few cities. Patrick Bassam, a pollster with an accurate track record and the director of the Democracy Institute in Washington, D.C., highlighted two observations made by fellow colleagues, polling guru Richard Barris, a big data poll, and election analyst Robert Barnes. Barris noted a statistical oddity from 2020's election returns. Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton in every major metropolitan area around the country, except for four areas, amazingly enough. Four areas where he didn't underperform Hillary Clinton. Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. Barnes added that those big cities in swing states run by Democrats, the vote even exceeded the number of registered votes. In the states that mattered most, So many mail-in ballots poured in for Biden from the cities that he put up record-breaking numbers 
and overturned state totals that looked like comfortable leads for President Trump. If Democrats succeeded in eliminating the Electoral College, Biden's magic formula for turning out overwhelming vote totals in a handful of cities could make the Democrats unbeatable. Now think about that. President Trump wins across the country, wins a large part of minority votes that he's never won before, added over 10 million new voters that voted for him in 2016, and yet Biden wins by focusing on four major cities run by Democrats, mostly in Democrat-controlled states. The only one that's not controlled by the state is Atlanta in the state of Georgia. But Atlanta, Fulton County, is where most of the citizens reside, and that's very much run by Democrats. And amazingly enough, they stopped counting in most of these, if not all of these states, in the middle of the night. Why did they stop counting? How do they add votes? Well, as votes are transferred from one machine to another one, People use what they call flash drives, little devices you put in the computer that downloads the results. Or maybe adds results. Where's the check on that kind of a transfer? Where's the check on when you separate the mail-in ballots from the actual ballot inside? The outside has got to have certain matching signatures, dates. Those were allowed to be changed. How do you match up a signature to the voting rolls? What's the mechanism to do that? Well, in one city, I had heard that it only had to be a 40% match. So somebody could certainly forge a signature. Heck, I live in Florida. But you know what? I just got ballots from a Democratic organization centered in Virginia that sent me an application to get an absentee ballot. For Georgia. If I filled it out, I could probably get a ballot for Georgia. Just lie in a few areas, and who's going to ever catch me? No one ever gets prosecuted, never ever gets caught. How in the world is that going to happen if there are millions of these that come in? Well, of those people I mentioned, Robert Barnes, He added that in those big cities and swing states run by Democrats, the vote even exceeded the number of registered votes. So if Democrats really can succeed in packing votes in these cities and no one's held accountable, what kind of elections do we have going forward? That is why President Trump continues to challenge all of this in court, because it gets these hit votes get hidden. This process is hidden. When Republican poll watchers are not allowed to get close, are are told to leave because everything's shut down, but yet they start up as soon as the Republicans leave and there's some shenanigans going on, you can see why 61% of the population polled today thinks that this election was illegitimate. But, you know, rather than rioting, What happens when Republicans lose? Most times we just accept it, say, okay, they cheated. Let's move on. We'll wait. Try to put in better controls next time. This is unusual because we had COVID. We had all these mail-in ballots. Well, guess what? The future is going to be filled with mail-in ballots unless state 
states make changes and require a tighter system for mail-in ballots. That's where all the corruption is, is in the mail-in ballots. It's in the harvesting that's illegal. It's in the processing and changing of votes. It's in sending them in to people where it's not a legitimate collection site. It's going to nursing homes and telling people the other candidate's going to destroy Medicare and Medicaid. Please sign this to people who barely have cognitive resonance about what's happening for lunch or dinner that night. So there's a lot of changes that need to be made, but will they be made? Unlikely by any state that's controlled by Democrats. Because why should they change? It gives them a winning formula, allows them to cheat, and we won't be back to having one election time when they can extend the time for when ballots come in and then come in and be done after the election because they couldn't read the postmark and so the presumption is that it was a, a valid cast vote. When legislatures say this is the way the campaign is going to be run and yet we have courts that will change the process, when we have bureaucrats that will change the process, is it any wonder that there's a great question about the legitimacy of this election? This is not about hanging chads. This is about the fundamental changing of our entire election process. You know, in third world countries and developing countries around the world, you know, you see them, they voted and they got a a purple thumb. They got some ink on their thumb to show that they voted so they can't vote again. That's more secure than the voting process we have today. So we're going to have to see where all this leads in the future. But clearly, there are too many ways that the system can be gained And there's too many bright political consultants out there that are looking for ways to cheat the system. But isn't it remarkable that even with the cheating at the presidential election, that the local, state, and Senate races came out okay? It sure looks like somebody added a whole bunch of votes on the presidential side, but they didn't even make changes on the down ticket side. So really were that many people so filled with hate against a man that gave us the lowest unemployment rate, supported Israel, reduced taxes, reduced regulations, gave us the greatest economy the world has ever seen, lived up to his promises? All good questions. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy theory out there or that there was voter fraud, but boy, the numbers sure look like it. Let's take another quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to pursue some of the other ways that this magical election for Joe Biden turned out in his favor. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. We are working our way through a wonderful article that was put out, kind of raising good questions. And the article is by J.B. Shirk. And it's entitled, Five Ways Joe Biden Magically Outperformed Election Norms. I'm trying to provide some additional commentary and observations as I go through this article. But make it clear that um, 
I am quoting from him in many cases and reading from that article that you can seek out if you so desire or just listen to this podcast and you're going to get the full flavor of that article and, and more. So let's talk about the fourth of five ways that Joe Biden won this election. Well, Joe Biden won despite Democrat losses nearly everywhere else. Randy DeSoto noted in the Western Journal that Donald Trump was pretty much the only incumbent president in U.S. history to lose his reelection while his own party gained seats in the House of Representatives. Now that's a Biden miracle. Biden didn't have coattails to bring along more Democrats. It was expected he would, that there would be, again, 10 to 15 more Democrats elected into the House of Representatives to give them a much wider margin that they had. Keep in mind the Republicans had to win about 17 seats, flipped 17 seats from Democrat to Republican to win back the House. Well, they weren't expected to win even one. They were supposed to lose all of those contested seats, especially with Biden ahead in the polls by so much. I mean, recall in one time Biden was ahead in, um, I don't know, it was AP poll, one of the other polls, by 17 points in Wisconsin. Well, he won by only a few thousand votes. So what happened? Republicans actually gained 12 seats. So there are only five short of taking over the House of Representatives. And if enough Democrats, if there are any conservative or moderate Democrats left in the House of Representatives, they're all not to the extreme left, maybe some of the House of Representatives will get together and force rational legislation and reforms and that we won't see the House of Representatives try to pass these far left liberal ideas or try to impeach Justice Kavanaugh as an example that has been proposed. They won't try to impeach a number of people that might be left over from the Trump administration or instigate political witch hunts to go after people who leave office. So the Republicans gained seats in the House of Representatives. In 2020, the Cook Political Report and the New York Times rated 27 House seats as toss-ups going into Election Day. 27 seats. And right now, it appears that Republicans have won all 27 seats. Absolute miracle. It looks like Trump's coattails really pulled along a lot of Republicans because all these Republicans almost to the person, called out a strong support and endorsement from Donald Trump, yet they won and Donald Trump lost. Democrats failed to flip a single state house chamber, while Republicans flipped both state house and Senate in New Hampshire and expanded their dominance of state legislatures across the country. So now for those of you listening, I'm not talking about the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. I'm talking about at the state level. Most states, except for one, Nebraska, 
most states have House and Senate just like the federal government does. It's only Nebraska that has what they call a unicameral um, uh, state structure where there's only one House and Senate combined. But what happened in this 2020 election is that the Democrats failed to flip a single House chamber. And a lot of the politicians and pollsters thought Democrats would do this in 2020, take control of states and therefore take control of the census and the restructuring for the next decade of the House districts and and Senate districts at the state level. So Republicans who have supposedly gerrymandered states would have those reversed by House and Senate in Republican-controlled areas now, changing over to Democrats, and Democrats then could rewrite their state guidelines to be able to more effectively legislate and elect Democrats at the state level. But that didn't happen. Did not happen. So thank goodness Republicans are still in control of the state House chambers, and Democrats did not flip a single one. Christina Polizzi, a spokesperson for the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, went so far as to state it's clear that Trump isn't an anchor for Republican legislative candidates. He's a bully. That means that he had coattails that pulled across the finish line to victory a number of Republicans that flipped Democratic seats and were able to retain open seats that Republicans had retired from. Amazingly, Biden beat the guy who lifted all these other Republicans to victory. Now, that's historic. And that's amazing that this candidate that's been around for 50 years, where the news stories right before the election were about the corruption of his family, the double dealing in the Ukraine, in China, the payment payments that came into his family from the mayor's wife of Moscow, of somebody who has been shown to be on the wrong side of history in nearly every foreign activity and war that we've been engaged in. Here's a guy that said that he was not in favor when Barack Obama killed Osama bin Laden. This is a guy that chastised the president of the United States, President Trump, when he killed Soleimani. This is a guy who said they were going to lead from behind during the Biden administration when Libya was under attack. The guy that didn't help support our troops. The guy who said he was going to transfer monies out of policing and did not have the endorsement of a single police organization in the United States. Somebody who's worked against law enforcement. Somebody who has a vice president who's been against law enforcement. In fact, somebody who has a vice president 
who helped to support a fund to get rioters out of prison. Somebody who has been supporting the idea in their own platform to get rid of bail so that when a criminal is arrested, put in jail, they don't have to put up any bail. They get out automatically to go back and riot or loot or create fires over and over again. That's what's happening in New York City. It actually exists. Here's somebody that's been taking money from George Soros, who has been funding district attorneys across this country in major metropolitan cities that refuse to prosecute criminals, lets them go. So is it any wonder that we get into an election cycle that these corrupt cities who have been able to support and vote for corrupt district attorneys Is it any wonder that there's a great suspicion about what's happening behind that curtain of counting votes in those cities? Best example is probably St. Louis, where there were riotings throughout for no reason, just because they wanted to riot, I guess. Didn't have anything to do with anything that happened in Minneapolis. But what happens is you have a district attorney that doesn't prosecute any of the rioters in St. Louis. But what did that district attorney do? She went after homeowners that were brandishing weapons to protect their home from rioters that were threatening them, their dog, talking about taking over their house and raping the wife. And they're holding guns to protect themselves from people that were in their front yard that had broken down the gates to get into their community. That's the kind of justice we have from district attorneys in these major metropolitan cities. You have a mayor of New York that's supporting the most liberal, the most Marxist type of programs that you can imagine. Trying to control the city, ruining one of the great cities of the world, New York City. It's a ghost town with shops burned out, windows broken down. Storefronts shuttered with wood that protects the little that's left there. People aren't allowed to go out and eat. People are being prosecuted for opening up stores and trying to stay alive and feed their families. Whether it's a mom and pop grocery store that's been burned out, that may be an essential service that's allowed, but it's gone. Liquor stores looted. You think that Walmarts or Target are going to go back to these areas? Are they going to be able to ever rebuild? And that's in the poor areas. What about in the richer areas down the main streets of New York City? Those shops are all closed up. You think that the national chains that have places there are going to want to open up again? No. But somehow, magically, Biden didn't get connected to any of that. The media didn't connect him or the Democrats to those kinds of craziness that's going on. It's hard to imagine for anybody who is a Trump supporter, anybody who wants freedom in this country, anyone who wants peace in the streets, to understand what's really happened this summer. 
I wish there was a way to better accept, understand, empathize with the frustrations that are going on. And I understand the racial frustrations, but does that give everybody a license in this country to go out and loot? I don't believe those people breaking into the liquor stores or in the Walmart or into the fancy clothing stores. I don't think there was racial disharmony that they felt entitled to do that. I think they took advantage of a situation. Do you think those are Trump voters? I don't think so. So let's take a final break, and we're going to come back. We're going to wrap up this whole idea of the five magical steps that allowed Joe Biden to win the presidency in 2020 despite going against every other norm that's ever existed in elections. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. Today, we'll continue to examine the miracles of the Joe Biden president election. We touched on four areas so far. Let's look at the fifth and final area of how Joe Biden magically beat Donald Trump. Fifth area I would entitle Biden overcame Trump's commanding primary vote. In the past, every other presidential election, you can get a good feel about the enthusiasm and the potential votes that somebody is likely to garner in a general election by looking at the primary votes, who turns out, how many turn out, and what level of enthusiasm there is. And in the past, primary vote totals have been remarkably accurate in predicting general election winners. Political analyst David Chapman highlighted three historical facts before the election. First, no incumbent who has received 75% of the total primary vote has lost re-election. Now, the reason that number is so important is that it shows that there was not a contested primary vote. In many cases, if you have an incumbent who is contested, it means they've done a very bad job that the party puts up an alternative candidate. Yes, there were some alternative candidates to Donald Trump. You had, I think, three different candidates that were running early on that dropped out pretty quickly. But that 75% total vote for the incumbent is important because if they get less than 75%, it means it's going to be a very contested election and there's something wrong with the incumbent and they're more likely to lose than to win. Second, Donald Trump received 94% of the primary vote, which is the fourth highest of all time, higher than Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton, or Obama. He received 94% of the primary vote. That just shows how strong a candidate he was and that he had eliminated the rest of the field pretty quickly. In fact, President Trump is only one of five incumbents since 1912 to receive more than 90% of the primary vote. Now, you can argue that, okay, it was a COVID year. They didn't have – some of the primaries were canceled. 
what the early ones weren't, and that's where you usually have the greatest number of challengers that have some level of success. Because if they don't expect to have some success, they don't even enter the race. Now, some do these days because they can get some political capital out of it, write a book, go on TV, and feel important. And then they go away. So they do it more for future fundraising or to get their name out there if they're going to run for another office or run for president in the future. But still, that's always been the case. And Trump was one of only five incumbents since 1912 to receive more than 94% of the primary vote, and he got 94%. Third, Trump set a record for most primary votes received by an incumbent when more than 18 million people turned out for him in 2020. The previous record was held by Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton's numbers were half of that. Now think about that. You've got a popular president at the time, loved by his supporters, who won the election in 2016, and still 18 million people turned out to vote for him in the primary. I mean, why would they even turn out? Why take your time to go and vote for somebody who has no opposition except to show your level of enthusiasm for that candidate? To show them that even though you know it doesn't mean anything, that he's going to win anyway, you still turn out and vote. And 94%, a record percentage of the vote turned out for Donald Trump. Why would people do that? It's never happened before. And yet, he wasn't able to win the general election by some magic jujitsu that Joe Biden was able to do in four to five major metropolitan cities that were controlled by Democrats, and we don't know half of what happened in those cities. Great concern about what happened in those cities. So, for Biden to prevail in the general election, despite Trump's historic support in the primaries, it turns a century's worth of prior election data on its head. Who could ever believe that that happened? What was it that changed other than the corruption, the potential corruption? I give it that much. The potential corruption of mail-in ballots. Joe Biden achieved the impossible. It's interesting that many more journalists and analysts aren't pointing that out. It's almost like, of course he won. Everybody hates Trump, right? Well, over 70 million people don't hate Donald Trump. Over 70 million people covering most of this country's geographic boundaries, most of this country's states, with the exception of a few major metropolitan cities, President Trump is loved and adored for what he has achieved. Is he a perfect person? Does he act presidential in the mold of past presidents? No. Is he a typical politician? No. Does he tweet things that people cringe at? Yes. Does he get the job done? That's the most critical thing that affects our lives. The job that the president does in leading this country. Yes, he has accomplished unbelievable things that have never been accomplished before that have benefited the lives 
of nearly everyone in this country, everyone at guests except the Hollywood elite and the East Coast and West Coast liberals that got benefits, but for some reason they hate his personality. Who would have thought that a 78-year-old white guy in a party that is so interested in minorities and in breaking color barriers, I can assure you that there is no indication that Kamala Harris, a minority female vice presidential candidate, pulled Joe Biden across the line. It's absolutely amazing what has happened in 2020. And yet, we really don't hear much about these anomalies in the election. It'll probably be that somewhere in the future, someone will dig into the data and statistics and try to figure out what happened in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that changed the election totals for Biden in the state of Wisconsin. What happened in the dark corners of Detroit, Michigan, that changed Michigan from being Trump country? Keep in mind, Trump brought back manufacturing in these states, brought back jobs, brought back auto building in these in these areas. But what happened? Why would people have turned and voted against him? It makes little to no sense. Atlanta. Atlanta's had a tremendous growth of minorities coming in from around the country into Atlanta. And they benefited from 3.5% unemployment, the lowest unemployment in this country. And minority unemployment was down dramatically. Atlanta has got a number of historic black colleges and universities with Morehouse, Clark, and Spelman. It's been the fountainhead of black leadership in this country for decades. Why would they so hate Trump, who has helped support the minority colleges in places like Atlanta, of opportunity zones created for places just like Atlanta? It makes little sense that you would turn around and bite the hand that feeds you and feeds you in a free market way as opposed to the hand that gives you free things, that wants to promise you lots and gives you nothing. The hand that Trump put out there was a hand to uplift people, not just to keep them down. And we know the corruption in Philadelphia. It's been there for decades. I can remember back when Jimmy Carter was in a close election with Gerald Ford. And when it got down to Pennsylvania being one of the key states and Philadelphia was the last votes out. And it's always amazing that these big cities are always the last votes. It's almost like they wait to see how many votes they need. But Jimmy Carter, and I guess it was Jody Powell, made the comment when those votes were out that Philadelphia, those are our kind of voters. Jimmy Carter from Georgia those are his kind of voters. They don't know Jimmy Carter in Philadelphia back then. They would have known him more as a conservative Southern Democrat. Why would they be voting for him? 
what they turned out in numbers. Whether those are real for Jimmy Carter, who knows? What I do know is that Philadelphia turned Pennsylvania this in 2020. Atlanta turned Georgia. Detroit turned Michigan. And Milwaukee turned Wisconsin. Now, maybe somebody was so brilliant to be able to figure out how to get votes in those areas legally. But we also know there were a lot of questions about how those votes were gathered, how they were counted, and how so many votes in the past, when we didn't have this kind of potential corruption going on, were actually discarded for being incomplete, not having signatures, not having dates. But yet those were all issues that somehow got cleaned up. Somehow the individuals weren't sent something back to fix it. They were fixed by people who were doing the counting. So there you have it. Five magical ways. Questions about how in the world did Joe Biden get 80 million votes? How did he win despite losing most bellwether states and counties across the United States? How did he win when he trailed Hillary Clinton, except in a few select cities that I've just mentioned? And how did Biden win despite Democrat losses everywhere else, not only at the federal level, but at the state level? And how did Biden overcome Trump's commanding primary vote totals? I'm not into conspiracy theories, but I'm with the 61% of this country that believes this election was rigged, was faked, and that the general rules of elections were not followed because there were a few people in the right places that were in so desperate need to gain power that they did it, and they're probably going to get away with it. And we have one last chance to keep these power-hungry people from taking total control of this country. We have to stop the process in its tracks with these elections for senators in Georgia. If we don't, there's no telling where this country is going to go. And I don't want to depend on Joe Manchin in the Senate to vote against getting rid of the filibuster. I don't want to depend on Joe Manchin getting rid of adding states and adding senators. We've got to do something. Thank you for listening today. I hope this is a little bit enlightening. I don't know exactly how much of it is true, but it certainly seems to be well documented, and I thought it was worth bringing forward to everybody's attention. So maybe next week we'll be able to get back to uh, Medicare because and Medicaid and private insurance. Stay tuned, and we'll talk to you again next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.